gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, you can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long. Hello everyone, it's Dan, your host for Rockin' All Week with You, the Happy Days Podcast, or one of the Happy Days Podcasts. This is Season 2, Episode 2, or Episode 22, and in this one we are talking about Fearless Fonzarelli, Part 1, Fearless Fonzarelli, Part 2. Hooray, our first two-parter. I I don't know if they'll always be in the, well, I, I know they won't always be sort of in the same episode like this, so I can hopefully leave you with a cliffhanger at the end of an episode. That I know, I know obviously I'm going to be doing that with the um, premieres for seasons four, five, and six. But uh, this one, we're going to get a cliffhanger in the middle, and then you're immediately, I don't know, it's like binge, binge podcasting. You don't have to wait to hear what I have to say about part two of Fearless Fonzarelli, which is something people have been waiting on for so many years. I am in the same space I was recording the last episode in. I've got a little more acclimated to the space. Unfortunately, I've left the microphone stand elsewhere. So I have the microphone in my hand and I'm pacing around like I did last time. Now, I thought the last episode may have gone on too long, but I've had several people know, say, no, it was great. And we loved all that faffing around you did trying to figure out the layout of the house. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And so this, this one won't be as long. I'm going to try to keep it more uh, straightforward because I covered a lot of the stuff in the, um, in the previous one. And there isn't um, a lot of house-related stuff going. Well, there is some, but, but, but not a lot. So we're going to, no, we're not going to dive right in. We're going to do something I call Happy Days News. Dateline, February 2020. No, found out, reading the news, Jenny Piccolo, who isn't going to be in the series for ages, although have we heard about her yet? I don't think we've heard her name yet, but we'll hear her name long before we see her. Kathy Silvers was like mountain climbing, rock climbing, hill climbing, something like that, in Santa Clarita, which is outside of Los Angeles. She was there with a new boyfriend, a new beau for Jenny Piccolo. And she, I guess she just like broke her leg. She, and they were, they were so far out in, in, in the middle of nowhere that they didn't have cell service. And so he had to, the, the new boyfriend had to carry her for about, I forget if it was like a mile or an hour. I forget, or 10 miles or something. But he had to carry her some distance until they could get in cell phone range and they could actually get her somewhere where she could get her leg taken care of. And yes, when reporters spoke to her, I believe it was TMZ, when reporters spoke to her, um, she said, yes, this was only our second date. Well, will he be getting a third? Yes, he will. That's Happy Days news. Uh, she's gonna be okay. She's gonna be okay. I did notice that on the on the DVD menu for the Happy Days season three, Happy Days is trademarked. So if anyone asks you how your days are going, you say, you know, I have a pretty much Happy Days. You are gonna get sued by whoever it is who owns Happy Days. So it's probably Disney. No, Paramount or CBS or whoever it is. Yeah. So okay. All right. That's uh, uh, as always enough of my yakking. Uh, what are we talking here? We are talking Fearless Fonzarelli, Part 1. And uh, let's see, this one is, I believe, is a Jerry Paris original. It's written by Michael Weinberger. And let me just check the date here. I actually have it playing on the screen right here. September 23rd, 1975. And I just want to read something real quick uh, while I can see it here. Arnold's Menu. The Arnold Burger... Is third and, and again, I apologize for any um, strangeness in the audio on this because I've got the microphone up, up to, sort of up to my mouth, and then once in a while, when I sort of get into it, the microphone gets lowered and lowered and lowered, and the, it's, it's, a, it's at my knees. Can you still hear me? Hello, hello. Arnold Burger, thirty-five cents. Arnold Dogs, twenty-five cents. French fries, fifteen cents. So, soda Sundays, I think it says twenty-five cents. It looks like cola, orange, root beer, five to ten cents. Malts and shakes, twenty-five cents. So that is, yeah, yeah. That's that's that. Those are, those are the uh, Arnold's uh, menu thingies there. And hey, Richie and I have the same color shirt on. Wow, huh? Okay. So anyway, what happens in this one? 
they're in Arnold's. They're hanging out. We'll talk about Arnold uh, afterwards. Um, but uh, this, the, the, the plot will mainly cover um, uh, fun. Oh, wait a minute. Listen to this. He's about to come out the door. Yes, here he comes. Here's Fonzarelli. Stay tuned, because in just one moment, we'll be back with the jump. This is the moment you've been waiting for. He starts it up. a little out of hand right before that little break there so i'm trying to i saw the arnold's menu and i thought i i should read that off because it will it will come into play sort of in a bit but the premise behind this is everyone's in arnold's and there are lots of gals there and, and and richie potsy and ralph who seem intensely popular uh are sitting around sitting at the at the at the um at the table that they're on the booth that they're always sitting at and they're kind of singing into empty glasses they're singing all shook up and they're a crowd of a couple of guys but mostly lovely ladies all around them and somewhere around there there is a statuesque woman who is yowza um i almost want to say for a second i thought she may have been like a russ meyer gal or something like that i don't think she is but she, she's gorgeous uh, but the Fonz comes in and sort of reveals that and, and tries to talk to this gal but she's like sorry Fonz, i gotta go and the Fonz says to Richie, I think I'm losing my cool. You know, people at the garage are picking on me. You know, this gal wouldn't, you know, stop and let me, you know, give her a little. And he, he thinks he's losing his cool and he's very worried about it. That evening, they are watching, uh, the, the Cunninghams are watching a show called Just Ask For It. No, they asked for it. You wanted to smell, you wanted, you wanted to see it. You wanted to see it. And you wanted to see it as very much like, um, uh, you know, um, Oh, I, I think it was something like uh, and Mrs. Um, uh, uh, Dirt Smedley from Peoria wants to see a family that lives underwater. You wanted to see it. And, you know, they show it. And Fonz comes down and he seems kind of meek and he's got his robe on. He's like, may I join you in watching this? And they, they're watching the show. And Mrs. C is saying, like, why do people do this? You know, it's, it's kind of silly and a little embarrassing. And Mr. C says, hey. This is publicity. The whole whole of the nation is watching this. You know, it's like sixty-four thousand. Now the question thinks, you know, it's uh, the whole of the nation is watching this. And suddenly the Fonz is like, wait a minute, I know how I can prove that I'm cool again. And he has little Richie Cunningham write them a letter saying a man named Fearless Fonzarelli is going to jump fourteen, I believe it's like just garbage cans, right? In front of Arnold's. And so it becomes a big hubbub and everyone's excited and everyone thinks the Fonz is cool again. We do learn that no no one's ever jumped more than twelve. And the people who have tried may none of them may be alive anymore. And so uh, so, so we get up to a, a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger, obviously, as you might guess, is the Fonz jumping the garbage cans. But we'll stop there um, because that uh, that that was much much farther, further, farther along than I usually do. This is an episode I remember very clearly from my childhood. It's the first appearance of Arnold. It's the first two-parter. It's the first time that we get the Fonz really worrying about sort of losing his cool, which will be a thing that will happen. It is, it's a fun episode. Uh, I, I think it's a very fun episode. And it has a cliffhanger that's like, because once you once you learn what the Fonz is going to do, uh, and let me see if I can just get us to it here. Once we learn, uh, let's see, 
and that's about it's about 10 minutes in to the episode once you learn what the Fonz is going to do the rest of the episode it's not filler but the rest of the episode is just building to what you know the cliffhanger is going to be the leap over the garbage cans it's like Back in the day, and I always bring this up, Doctor Who, you would get stories that had Dalek in the title. And you knew, well, well, stuff would happen in the first episode, but you knew that you were building up to that first appearance. Apart from the really weird Dalek appearance in Day of the Daleks Part 1, you, you were building up to that big moment when the Dalek appeared. And in this one, obviously the moment you learn that the Fonz is up to something, and if you, know, if you hear the title... You know he's going to be up to something. And this is evil Knievel time, folks, in the mid-70s. You know that that's going to be the ending. Now, um, I do want to... No, I'll mention this later. Remind me, folks, if I forget, because I think you could see this in the next episode, too. Remind me to tell you about the reverse angle shot on the TV. It's a funny episode which is good. It's got a lot of good lines in it. Maybe, maybe, maybe possibly here and there, it's got a few too many gags in it. Um, I was thinking, this, this, this past week, I've been reading a lot of Cracked magazines, and yes, Cracked will come up again. I have to check. I, th- I think it's in the vicinity of season, in between seasons three and four, when they started really going Fonzie crazy, and I want to try to cover, because I have all the issues including Fonzie for President, uh, the special collector's edition. I have all those issues, so I want to cover all those in, in sort of mini-sodes and things. It's, it's funny, there's sort of the classic Fonz picture is all over the place in this. You know the one where, like, like Henry Winkler's kind of got the leather jacket on. He's kind of looking over his shoulder at us. And it's like, hey, I'm the Fonz. Oh, yeah. So, oh, uh, no, I was talking about Cracked. <laughs> in reading a lot of Cracked over the past few days and watching this episode and the next one I suddenly realized what what this is with all the stuff about the oh I'm not cool anymore and you know the um, jokes of Mr. C there's, there's a joke where um, you know something's off on the TV and it's like why does everyone look short and fat and Mr. C's like I like short and fat and the audience bursts into applause and the stuff with Arnold and, and like when he he's uh <laughs> Yeah, I realized that at this point, the parodies that Cracked would have been doing of, like, Happy Days would have been pretty much what Happy Days is. A basic sitcom plotline and as many jokes as possible. I mean, e- even even stuff like uh, the, um, what is it, Ralph has been writing in what is it I, I forgot to write down what it was ralph wanted i'll find it was it was it, did he want to see a human sacrifice or i want to say cannibalism but that's, that's not right ralph has been writing in like every week um for something like that like to see a human sacrifice or something like that and that's just the kind of joke that you would have seen in a cracked magazine and gone where do they come up with that so it's funny because if you imagine this as a cracked magazine parody of happy days it's pretty much exactly the same even to the point of it ending with something ridiculous like jumping 14 garbage cans on his motorcycle now that's a bit of a a tangent as the show goes along i will be bringing in cracked more and more especially gosh i'm sorry i have to look i want to say seasons like four and five there's going to be a lot of cracked stuff going on maybe even sooner let's talk about arnold real quick and then we'll go on to the fonz we meet arnold it's freaking Pat Morita, ladies and gentlemen. Now, even Arnold has a crack magazine style thing where he, he comes out and um, w- w- what happens is they get um, Ralph. Oh, there's that that big, not big gal, tall gal. Holy, and, and I love the tall gal. Watch when the, 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 the Fonz hits the jukebox early on and, well, she's standing with Henry Winkler. I don't know that that makes her that tall. But um, watch, like, early on, the Fonz hits the jukebox and it doesn't start up. Or I forget what happens to it, but it, it doesn't work like it usually does. Later on, when he's with this gal, he hits the jukebox and it starts right up. And watch her. She kind of gives him a squeeze and then kind of hits him on the tush. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a nice moment that I don't know if that was planned or what that was. But that's, it's a really a, a sweet kind of moment. <laughs> 
like it's very it's very innocent it's very innocent and which which i which i quite uh, i i get a, i get a kick out of um you know me get, getting kicks out of things that's my that's my thing baby get my kicks so uh, Arnold. So Arnold's Pat Morita, and what he's done is he has um, instigated a what is it, fifty percent like table charge or cover charge or something like that. And I, I read you the menu things earlier on because it's sort of implied, but by looking at it, that that Richie, Potsy, and Ralph have been at that table, and they just had like three root beers, which would have maybe been thirty cents, but the bill comes out to over fifty cents, like a dollar or something like that, which which Ralph doesn't have, and it's because obviously you know. Uh, Arnold says, you know, you, you kids sit here all day and and you don't buy anything. And, you know, and he has a he has a chicken stand out front that's apparently been there for eight months and no one knows it's there. That's not that's not so great, um, Arnold. You need to um, you need to advertise that. You need to do something with that. Um, and it's weird. The, ch the chicken stand will come into play in part two but it really is one of those hey have you seen my chicken stand what chicken stand and then you see it later and you're like where'd that come from and then it becomes an integral part of something that will happen in the next episode so it's a not deus ex machina per se but deus ex machina adjacent sort of anyway the Fonz. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And so we meet Arnold. He's great. And he's constantly, you know, he's 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 trying to, you know, sell his stuff. And it's he's he's a joy. It's great. It's great to finally meet Arnold. And Pat Morita is, of course, awesome. And he does. Oh, what I was saying there. He has the joke. He has a joke where he says something like, "Like you boys give me the Caucasian flu," and the crowd laughs at it. And I thought that's a cracked magazine joke, if I've ever heard one. There you go. <laughs> so. The Fonz. The Fonz in this. It's interesting with the Fonz because he comes in and immediately it's like, I've lost my cool. I've lost my cool. And remember, I, I said in the previous episode that since the Fonz is now second build and becoming extremely popular, they're sort of selling him, not quite overselling him, but they're kind of selling him in a way that all the attributes he had that were slowly built up over the first two seasons were are kind of being yelled at us right now and the audience like, like i mentioned last episode the audience all seems to be in on it sit on it we're in hysteric shortcake yeah you know even like mr c like suddenly it's all these short and fat jokes and which i don't really remember being a big part of the first two seasons everyone's laughing at them and it almost feels like and again i may have said this last episode but i'm just saying it once more here it almost feels like maybe there was like a mini season or something that we missed in between two and three like maybe a half a dozen episodes or something that slipped into Howard the Ducks world or something like that or there's a there's an alternate earth where in between the episode where they go to Chicago and Fonzie moves in there's like a half a dozen episodes that sets up this new world because it is a new world in season three and so when the Fonz is coming and says he lost his cool part of me is like Oh, okay, I get it. And another part of me is like, Fonz, you've only been here for two episodes. This, this is not, you shouldn't be losing your cool yet. But I'm, it's because of the sort of the soft rebooting of the show, as it were, the, the, the reconfiguring of the show, that it feels a little weird when he comes in and he says he's lost his cool. Again, it really does feel like they're like, we're going to get canceled if this doesn't take off immediately, the Fonz is our most popular character, so we have to act like he's always been in charge. So this is the third episode in a row where the Fonz is more or less the main character. And Richie, who was such a main character, gets stuff to do, certainly, but he kind of is the Fonz's confidant throughout this, which is not... It's not, it's not particularly strange because that's sort of what he did occasionally in the first two seasons. But it doesn't really make him the, the lead in his his own show. I guess it's not his show anymore. Now it's an ensemble. So, but anyway, what else do we got? Okay, garbage cans leaping over them. Arnold, the Fonz. Um... I do like the evening of the shoot of the of the jump. They sort of clear 
all the tables away, like the foreground tables and booths. I, I always, I always thought it. I mean, it looks like they're all on wheels, and I, I imagine they might have been, and they are, because they clear them all away. So when like the Fonz comes out, dresses fearless Fonzarelli, which is very evil Knievelly, and the Cunninghams and Ralph and Potsy are standing around him. Um, there are no, the cameras can move around without having to worry about the booths being there, um, which is a bit of a strange thing. I'm, I'm not 100% sure where they put all those booths, but they're not there. And um, I, I don't know if I need to say it, but it looks like Aaron Moran has grown another like three or four inches since the, since the last episode. She's so tall now, and um, she doesn't get much to do in this episode. She's still very much a background character. But as we go, as I've said before, her joining Fonz will be, they'll be the main characters. Uh, the Fonz is um, still very much in this um, greaser 50s cool guy Marlon Brando -y, James Dean he talks to James Dean's poster at one point in this there's a great moment where the Fonz begins to lose his nerve a little bit because Mr. C talks to him Richie talks to him and he finds out that no one's gone over 12 garbage cans um yeah so so it gets a little worrisome now that could be now that that all that stuff could be filler because he's so gung-ho about it and then he finds out that in the contract he has to sign there's like a no responsibility clause or something like that and that suddenly and so suddenly for five minutes we get sidetracked but we knew he was going to jump anyway so i don't know if the side it, it it really does feel a bit like um the script maybe came in a little short and they were like, well, why don't we have the Fonz get a little worried about it? But it's like, he was the one who wanted to do it in the first place to be cool. You know, and he, uh, he must've known what he was. He, he chose 14. He says, because the previous record was 12 and everyone tries 13 and that's unlucky. So he's going for 14. That makes sense. I, uh, so, so that, that it does have, uh, it has a bit of a fillery feel to it from the moment where he signs the contract until the actual evening, which is only like five minutes or so. But so um, let me let me wrap this up so we can get on to um, because I, I could I could talk for uh, for quite a while. You know, the Fonz does some great going back and forth in the parking lot on his motorcycle. And there's like a drum majorette um, uh, giving him the big drum roll. And then I, I love them. The crowd is really into this episode. And there is a moment where I love the moment where, okay, the cliffhanger is he shoots off over the ramp and he's about halfway over the garbage cans. Freeze frame continued next week, and you could hear the crowd getting so excited. The the I mean the audience, not the crowd. The crowd at at the at the site, like the looks like a night shoot at Arnold's, is is excited. But the audience, the studio audience, watching what would have been um, footage uh, being uh, shown to them on a, on a monitor, um, they're really excited. And I love the moment it says continued next week. You get a mix of surprise, awe little shock a little you got us and oh my god it all mixed in together in the audience response which is really a fun response you know like you made us sit here for so long and now i mean they do that thing where you know happy days is one of those shows that has a tag at the end so you get like opening credits first act com opening credits commercial first act oh, or is that oh. Is that a commercial? I so you should get like opening credits, first act, second act, tag, closing credits, and usually in between the second act and that, well, there's more than that commercial break, but between the second act and the tag, there's a commercial break, and the tag usually by the tag everything is wrapped up, and the tag is like a final joke or a final reference to something, or sometimes may not even it may relate to a B plot or something like that. Uh, it's something that could be taken out on syndication, but this. They use the tag to, that's the jump. The jump is in the tag. So it says continue ne next week and immediately goes into the credits, which I think is a nice touch. So I want to wrap this this uh, discussion up because I don't want this episode to go as long as the last one. I just want to bring in one more thing, and that is the reverse angle shot on the TV. So there is a moment, oh, it's in the next episode, actually. Um, but... Uh, they, so they're watching TV, and the way it's set up is, you know, um, 
Joni and Richie are on the couch. Mr. C is um, in his chair. And the TV is sort of, the back of the TV is facing us. So they're watching the TV. So we can't see what's on the TV because obviously that's where the set ends. You know, and the audience would be like 20, 30 feet beyond that. But the interesting thing is they do a reverse shot on the TV. And when you see the reverse shot of the TV, you see the TV and you see the edge of the set on the right where there's a bookcase. And then behind the TV, you see like a gray armchair, which is kind of directly behind the TV, which is a really weird spot for another armchair. But it's clearly when you watch it, it's clearly like that's not part of the set. That That's clearly like a backdrop that they've put in or something they've superimposed in there. It's clearly not there. I mean, because... Technically, the, the, the TV, shouldn't the TV be like, the TV in the old house was like not quite, but almost up against the wall. So this is implying that there's a TV and behind the TV, they put an armchair. Where is the wall of the house? I'm going to stop it right there because it comes up again in the next episode and we see the chair, I believe, in the next episode. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop there and we're going to go on to Fearless Fonzarelli. Part two. Fearless Fonz really part two. Uh, let's see. Aired on September 30th, 1975. It is, again, a Jerry Paris original. Now, and it is... It's interesting. This um, uh, you, you would think it would be written by the same guy, but this one was written by Bob Bruner. Which is interesting because Michael Weinberger... I'd have to check the credits, but I know Bob Bruner is one of like, the staff writers. I'm not sure on Michael Weinberger... He was probably on there too. But it's interesting that the second part is written by someone different from the first part. You would think the same person would write both of them. But enough of that. Listen to this. Fonzie does the jump, he makes it, but he wipes out and slams into Arnold's chicken stand, hurting his knee in the process. He's taken to the hospital, they operate on his knee, the Cunninghams agree to let him stay on the couch while he recuperates, Um, but after a time, it becomes obvious that for whatever reason, the Fonz doesn't want to leave the couch. Uh, He's too comfortable, they're doing everything for him, I don't know, but he should be getting up and moving. He is not. I know what you're thinking, Dan... That's a bit of a strange turn, isn't it? I thought it would be more about him, like, either... Well, it's it's funny because it's like, he makes the jump. He does the jump. He does the jump. He wipes out the chicken stand, which Arnold isn't too happy with, but Arnold has a very funny scene where he, um, looking at the, uh, the camera, he kind of um, talks about his chicken to the camera, which is pretty funny. And, but it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird episode. I don't mind second parts that go in a very different direction from the first part. We'll see that again with Happy Days. Um, I want to say the uh, Leather leather Tuscadero two-parter kind of does that. Where, um, uh, and there, there were like, one of the things with like X-Files two-parters when, in, in its original run was you'd like get the first part seemed to be going in one direction and then the second part would start up with something where you were like, what's going on? Where are we now? It almost go to complete, like Tunguska and Terma, I think, um, is, is a good example of that. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's not, it's, it, 
You know, I was going to say, it's not quite like, say, the Pandorica opens in the Big Bang and Doctor Who, where um, the Pandorica opens is one thing, and then the first, like, five minutes of the Big Bang seem to be something completely different until there's something that links everything up. And then you see Amy Pond in the Pandorica, and she looks at her younger self and says, you know what, I forget what it is, like, hang on, kid, this is where it gets complicated. It's, it's not quite that either. It's just this weird thing where, okay, I will say that in one respect... I really like the way they do this. The Fonz does the jump. He makes the jump. He's cool again. He says that was stupid. I should have known I was cool. I shouldn't have risked my life like that. But he's hurt his knee, and he has to get the operation, and then he winds up on the couch, and he won't leave the couch. So the second half of the episode is the Cunningham's trying to get him off the couch. Um, it feels weird, though. I mean, you, you guys have watched it, right? It doesn't it feel weird where there's a lot of time spent with the Fonz in Arnold's interviews, talking with people. Then there's a lot of time spent in the hospital. Then we get to the Fonz on the couch and the doctor, not from Doctor Who, the the, the doctor in this. And I, you know, I, I have I have pitched a theory, right, to you guys that um yeah, I've said that before, that I believe when the doctor finally gets to the end of her life her prop her everything and and she knows it's over she will become the fonz and he will go to milwaukee so so the fonz on happy days is the final incarnation of the doctor when the show is all over i've said that before but i'm saying that here just because there was a doctor talking to him um I have the episode playing here right now, and Arnold is uh, doing his pitch with his chicken, and he's talking into a chicken wing like it's a um, a microphone, which I really like. I think I must have stolen that when I was um. <laughs> Pat Marita's doing some great freaking faces. Um, so the Fonz goes in for his operation. They've given him sodium pentothal apparently, so he is high as a kite. They take him into the operation. He grabs his leather jacket on the way out of his room. This very small hot watch, watch the the frame. I mean, Jerry Paris, who I know for always shooting too high or too low, shoots the hospital room so tight. It's clear that they just had like a half a half a set on that, which is fine because if if they would also had Arnold, so they would also had the living room and the kitchen and everything like that. Um, so that that that's that's fine. Um, but 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 yeah, just look at it when you when you watch it and and remember that. Um, the guys, Richie Potsy and Ralph, when they go to see the Fonz, they put on Groucho glasses and they sing To Know Him Is To Love Him, which was a hit in September of 1958. And I think I said, I could be wrong, that last, the Christmas episode was, I think, 57. I think. I've forgotten now. I should have gone back and listened. But the fact that they so specifically sing To Know Him Is To Love Him again and again means that this is 58 and this is probably i would say this is probably fall of 58 that's my guess um there's no sort of uh school related stuff um and i do i do like like <laughs> one of the great things about this episode is watch henry winkler in it because there are several moments there's a moment when Potsy is leaving and he picks up a bedpan and says, look, an ashtray where Henry Winkler is about to crack up. And there are several moments where if you watch Henry Winkler, he is clearly, <laughs> just, there's a moment right there. They, they just sang to him and they all have their Groucho glasses on and he's clearly about to crack up. And there's a moment, it's, it's, it's really, the thing about the episode is the episode is, is a joy. I, I think it's very funny. I think it moves very quickly. It goes from the initial sort of, it's kind of like three acts. And the initial act, the initial act wraps up the Fearless Fonzarelli stuff. The second act is the hospital. The third act is the Fonz won't get up. The, the problem with it is that it feels to me like maybe Bob Bruner wrote an entire script where like in the first two minutes, the Fonz maybe wipes out in a motorcycle. And then there's three or four minutes of hospital stuff. And then you get a whole bunch of stuff where the Fonz just won't leave because, okay, I'll get to it now. Tangented. Tangent. Tangented. Tangent. Tangential. Tangential. I'm sorry, any of my younger listeners. I didn't mean to say that. That's not a word. Okay. Well, it's... Uh, stop. Okay. So, 
the the the, the thing that makes it 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 weird is the doctor the Milwaukee doctor not the time lord from Gallifrey and the constellation of Castabras um is talking to the Fonz. He's like, Fonz, you know, you should get up. And he's like, I can't get up, Doc. And 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 the Fonz is there with like a, his jeans have been, they, they like cut it around the thigh and he has a bandage around his knee. I can't do it. And, and Mr. C is in the kitchen like the Fonz, the Fonz. Everything's been about the Fonz the past week. Oh, this is driving me crazy. And the doctor comes in and says like, hey, you know, I don't know. Um, and there's a great moment where Fon, the Fonz calls Joni Shortcake. And... Apparently, the doc doesn't know Joni's name and says, well, your daughter's shortcake brings him anything he needs, uh, which, which I thought was fun. But but there's the implication that in between when the Fonz is rolled into operation, the operation and the very next scene, one full week passes. And in that week, the Fonz won't move. And the doc says within a few days, people are up and moving. And Fon says, well, it hurts. And the doctor says, well, yeah, yeah, it hurts. But you got you to do it. You know, and the Fonz, it's interesting. It's, it, it is interesting, though. I, I think they try, to, they try to link the second half of this episode to the, the previous episode in that the Fonz has proved to the U.S. and himself that he is cool. But he won't stand up and move. Because that's not cool. Because the faces he makes, and he makes some very funny faces, and he does stumble around. In the end, he stumbles around the TV, and we see that armchair behind the TV, which is like, where is that that arm? Look at the wall. Look at the wall. Look at the wall where the bookcase is. The bookcase stops, and there's like gray or something, like wall. What is that? What Was that something in a 50s home where suddenly like you, you had like a bookcase that covered a wall and then you just had like a space of like 10 feet where there was just like nothing? That makes no sense and is clearly the set ends with the bookcase and they are, they are used to, I mean, I would say this, they are probably used to working with the set from the previous seasons where they could fudge around with it. This one they can't because the set ends. And putting the armchair there means that the living room seems to extend about an armchair's length beyond the kitchen. So if you can imagine looking down the wall along the side of the house, you see the wall where the kitchen is and then it goes boop for an armchair and then goes back in. I love it. It's crazy. No one in 1975 would have had this thought at all. I take that back. There are probably a few people who may have had that thought. But I'm, I'm going to stop right there because this is going to come up a lot. But yeah, that armchair thing is nutty. And I don't remember really encountering that again. But we'll see the season as the season goes along. Um, I think they'll probably at some point, I think they may move the TV a bit so you can take a shot of it with the bookcase. Behind. I mean, why would you put the TV in a spot where if you want to get a shot of the TV, you have to like superimpose junk in behind it so you don't see the audience going, hey, it's the 70s. Look at us. We're, we're the 70s. Yeah. Now I have the episode playing behind me. And I will say, there, there is something they do. This is not. I do like the nun in this. She's fun. Um, there, there, they do something in here that it's not quite chicken stand kind of thing, but it's one of those things where. How often have we seen Mister C wearing glasses? I would say I don't remember seeing Mister C wearing glasses, but they do the gags where um, Richie Potts and Ralph have the Groucho glasses on. And Richie tries to have a serious conversation with the Fonz about getting an operation on his knee while he's got the glasses on. And then Mr. C and, and, and Richie show up after um, uh, the Fonz has been doped up. And Mr. C has glasses on. And the Fonz laughs him going more or less like, I love those Groucho glasses. He doesn't say that, but he loves, I love those Groucho glasses. And Mr. C t- takes his glasses off and the crowd is in hysterics. But all I can think is, I'm going, to, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think there are like a half a dozen episodes or maybe even a full season of Happy Days that came in between the end of 
season two and the beginning of season three because the audience is so up to speed with everything that's happening in these episodes that I'm up to speed with because I've seen the entire show. But I would... Oh, I'd love to... I wish I could ask Gary Marshall. I wish I could because this is... I never noticed this before until I started watching it like this. That when season three begins, all those sort of cool things and catchphrases and all that stuff that we remember about Happy Days when it was at its absolute height isn't in the first two seasons, really. It, it's the genesis of it. The providence is there. But this season immediately begins as if it's already there. It's already been there. Where was it? How was it? What, we did, 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 did. I don't know, but I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Here's the, here's the thing. I've said this in the previous seasons that this, I, I don't know. Joni is just, <laughs> I don't know. I love Joni. She, she's just, she's just, she just, I think she's probably taller than I am right now. How tall was Aaron Moran? I don't know. I, but she's like, um, <laughs> um, I, I do like, I do like there is a moment where the Fonz is in on the couch. He's reading like Bon Vivant or something like that. And he's in a white t-shirt and jeans. And Richie comes up and Richie's in a white t-shirt and jeans. And you know what? They both look good. So uh, I, I think geez, I think I've covered one, one of the things I have noticed. And I probably said this before, which would work perfectly. You know, I was raised. My mom had a thing where... And forgive me, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's a family sitcom we're talking about, so I could talk about my big fat mama. No, my mom, my mom's my mom's a kind of a, a smaller lady. No, no, she's not. She's actually she's my height. She's she's a she's she's big on exercising and stuff. Um, so my mom had a thing, and I I think she still does, where when she would begin her day, if you were nearby, she would tell you everything she was going to do. So if say I was um, I was home from college for the summer and you know I was going to do my uh, day days work at Grossman's uh, the hard hardware store Grossman's there's a little Grossman's in everyone there's a little Grossman's in you uh, and I was either working the paint department or I was in the shed um, you know when when folks would contractors would drive to the back to pick stuff up someone had to be at the shed to take their license plate and make sure they got everything that was on the receipt that kind of thing. And it would be like, hey, Ma, what's happening? Well, Danny, I'm go she was a teacher, so she had the summers off. Well, Danny, I'm going to go um, to Bobcha's house. That was my, my grandmother, my Polish grandmother. I'm going to go to Bobcha's house, and um, I have to take her to her doctor's. She has to uh, get a prescription um, thingy, blah, 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 blah. And uh, then after that, I think I'm going to go to... Um, I'm going to go down to Caldor's. I have to pick up a few things. And then I was probably going to have some lunch. And then after I had some lunch, I thought I may uh, stop at the Wegmans because I wanted to pick up some stuff for dinner tonight. Will you be here for dinner tonight? Well, I'll be working till 8. So I'll be in. We'll probably have something. Okay, that'll be great. Okay, so I'm going to do that. And then I'll probably come back here. And I need to sew up uh, your father, my my stepfather's um a pants that he tore the other day and then i have to make sure that allison and my sister uh my younger sister is home to do this and then i have to do this and then da, 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 da. so if you just said hey what are you up to she would literally tell you everything she does for the day i do this with my wife i don't think it drives her up the wall but sometimes it does and the tricky thing is that if and this would happen to my mom if I wasn't fully paying attention. She would repeat it. Yeah, so I'm going down to Caldor's. I'm probably going to go to Wendy's. I'm thinking today I might get their, um, that uh, taco salad they have. That's great. Oh, you, did you hear? I'm, I, I was thinking I'd get the taco salad at Wendy's. Yeah, you're going to get the taco salad. Yes, okay, yes, okay. And then after that, I was going to put some gas in the car. And and so and so what what I have discovered on more than one occasion, these podcasts is that I will do that. 
and I apologize. I am recording this by myself. So when I say certain things that I think need to be emphasized, I may repeat them, but I shouldn't. You guys got it the first time, but that's a thing. I don't think it's a thing I'm ever going to be able to shake. Um, but maybe I will. Maybe I will. So I just forgive that tangent, but that's just if if you hear me, because I felt like I did this in the last episode. But if you hear me do something like that, where I make a point and then three minutes later I make the same point, that is an ingrained growing up thing. So let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, so the so the Fonz eventually does get up and move around. Like I said, he um he doesn't want to move because he doesn't uh, uh, look cool. He he doesn't feel that he's cool when he the faces he makes. This is a cool. This is a cool. And there's some great physical comedy from Henry Winkler, and he is he is acting. He's still cool. He's still the Fonz, but he is goofy as hell. Pardon my French. In a way, like. You know, like we take the jump in the shark in the future. Couldn't couldn't the Fonz like leaping around the house, making all these goofy faces, going, "This is cool! This is cool!" Could that be a jump in the shark thing? And you know what? I think. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to that. I think um, Pop Matters. Google Pop Matters. Jumping the shark and surviving. You'll find my article that I wrote. Four or five or six or seven or four thousand years ago on season five of Happy Days, and um, why jumping the shark I think is 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 a fun concept, but is nonsense when related to Happy Days. So what's next? So the Fonz eventually does get up. Richie brings in a gaggle of gals, and he's like, "Okay, I got to get up. I got to meet the gals." And he gets up and moves. And it's very much like, when is the time to get up? The time is now. And he doesn't, which is cool. And he's cool. The weird thing, like I said, is that it really does feel like Bob Bruner pitched an episode that was all about the Fonz being on the couch for the whole episode. Sort of like, um, I was going to say, Green Acres, the hole in the porch, where Mr. Kimball puts his foot through a hole in the Douglas's porch through his own stupidity, hurts his ankle, and spends the rest of the episode annoying uh, Mr. Douglas on the couch. I'd actually like to watch that episode right now. But you, you know that sort of thing where someone gets sick and, you know, there's a, there's a petticoat junction where, um, oh, God, what's, what's her name? The really annoying woman who always bothered Kate. And after B. Benadaric died, she just... They kept her on occasionally. It was really annoying having her there. Yeah, so, so in that episode, Selma hurts herself on a porch swing or something that they have at the Shady Rest that, that Uncle Joe bought at like a rummage sale or something. And she's going to sue them and she's awful. And it's, you know, a variation of like the Christmas Cannibal episode with, um, why am I forgetting all the name of Petticoat Junction characters? You know, the evil guy from Petticoat Junction who who was always showing up and in the Christmas episode he's there and he causes them a lot of trouble and it's it's one of those things where like you have a guest who is half uninvited um and who ends up just ruining the house kind of thing and and really annoying everyone um and to me, that it, it almost feels like maybe part two is meant to be an hour long or something like that. I don't know. But it really does feel like, oh, yeah, we love that idea, Bob. But we're going to incorporate that into Fearless Fonzarelli. So that idea will be the second half of this episode. What? It's supposed to be a full episode. So it just, feel, it just feels off. It's not bad. It just feels off. Because they do that thing where it's been a week and it's like, well... It, not for us it hasn't been a week and that that doesn't quite work it's um i mean when they kind of bring back in that he doesn't want to stand up because he's not going to make cool faces okay that kind of relates to the rest of it but not quite enough it's not bad it's just a little off i'd love to know why they did this i remembered I hadn't watched this episode in about two or three years. I remembered it being, he crashes, he's in the hospital, the um, 
do something to his knee and then he has like five or ten minutes where he's just annoying them and then it's like it's been a week but that isn't the way it goes at all and it's strangely structured after after the first episode kind of having after the first part sort of sort of having bits that I would almost call filler in them the second one doesn't is should have been longer I don't know maybe a 45 minute episode I don't know but in the end, both of these episodes, I think, are a lot of fun. And it's a two-parter, and clearly the Fonz is huge at this point, and we're, the show is going places, and uh, we're on board for that. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't... Um, and, and as I said earlier, there's, there's a sort of um, a joy in these, because I love the actors, and I love the setting, and I love... I don't know that I love specifically the time period, whether it be fifty-eight or seventy-five, but I just I'm in a I'm in a nice space watching these, and there were several moments watching these two episodes where I thought I don't ever want to leave here. I would like to stay here, please. And of course, I can. Uh, being in charge of the podcast, I can say, I'm going to rewatch that, and I'll rewatch it. But eventually, you have to sit down and you have to record something. So that's what I'm doing right here. I'm recording this. So here we are. Um, that was, hey, that was, um, yeah, this was uh, the Fearless Fonzarellis, the first two parters. Um, and as always, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we're on, where are we? Eventually, supertrain.blogspot.com at esupertrain1. You can email me at danny, D A N N Y, slacks, S L A C K S at yahoo.com I had some very nice uh, comments on the show since it came back and I hope uh, hope everyone's enjoying I don't think this one has gone as long um, if it has I will ruthlessly remove junk that I've said now I want to do Green Acres podcast but I got the Henningverse book that we all have to read so uh, next time up what do we got next time up oh we got the other Richie Cunningham October 7th 1975 and Richie fights back October 14th 1975 I like that because after four episodes that feature the Fonz in the front it looks like the next two are going to feature Richie so yeah let's that was me closing the case of the third season DVD so um thank you so much everyone for listening to Rockin' All Week with you the Happy Days podcast uh as I said one of the Happy Days podcasts um uh, and um, we will be back next time. And um, I guess Richie's going to take over the show again. Let's see. Listen to this.